Morning, team. Welcome to Wednesday morning in London. It's a bit chilly outside. It is a bit chilly this morning. A bit, a bit of cold wind coming in from the Urals, as they say. But it's nice to have your company this morning. Good job I've got my fleece with me You as well. certainly have, and that yeah. stomach. I mean, that in itself can keep you warm. I get a good bit of wear out. I need to harpoon whales round here. <laughs> <laughs> did you see the good news on the front of the papers? I do, talking of harpooning whales. Harpooning whales? <laughs> no, you said that. I never... Colleen, I'm quitting loose women. On the front of the mirror. Strange enough, if you read the other papers, mm. it's by mutual decision. Right. And you know what that means? Mutual decision means they've said, listen, we're revamping the show, Colleen, and frankly, you add nothing. And um, so would you like to um, add, well, sex by mutual decision? Mm. And so they then go, yes, that way everybody saves face. Oh, well, I've heard that she's... Uh, uh, I, I, it's either... Newsnight or Question Time, she's deciding between the two as to which one she's going to do. Well, I heard she was going to be doing the new revamp news at ten because she's right. so good at auto queuing. Of course, she's yeah. marvellously intelligent. Could be either one of those. Either yes. one of those that she's going for. I can see her in Paxman's role. I really can. I can certainly see her with some sort of stuffing. Yes, I have to be <laughs> honest with you. Oh, that was a quick one. I tell you, only me at this time of the world, and not even scripted, ladies. Yes. If this, this programme was scripted, we could be funnier. You've still got it. I still even, got it. Even just moments away from a from a birthday. Four zero. The big four zero big tomorrow. Four oh, I don't. They say life begins at forty. Do they? Well, your, your, your life has been underway for a while, then. Well, that's not very nice. <laughs> when I say 40, I mean inch waist. Uh, <laughs> Which you, of course, will associate with as well. <laughs> Seeing as I, I shouldn't imagine you'll get back into elasticated sides in a long I while. I did uh, my boxing last night again. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you do this, is it shadow boxing or is there anybody else actually no, there? I'm, I'm doing it with pads and I'm doing it against the, the boxing... Uh, for what reason? To, for thinness. Yeah, I'll, I'll show you my arms one day. Oh, don't. I'll live without that. <laughs> could be... Uh... That's, that's going to be your birthday present. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll go sick tomorrow. <laughs> I think I could be doing a sickie, <laughs> which is a shame. Uh, did, did I mention, Mand... Oh, hang on, she's, sorry, she's checking something out. Oh. Did I mention that, um, that uh, Jonathan Levi's not coming in today? Yes, you did. He's, oh, right, I did. OK, yeah. I couldn't remember if I said it. So, apart from that, you've had a nice night. Yes. Um... I watched somebody the other day hmm. uh, spitting on the pavement. Oh, that's disgusting. I find it the most disgusting thing. It's mainly students. Yeah. And it's just revolting. What I find worse is the noise they make before they do it, you know, when they, they're bringing it all up. Is it just that they are particularly stupid or they're just filth? Foul. I was in Kingston and there's a couple of sort of, let's just call them yobbos, outside a shop and they're standing there just going, and they spit. And you think to yourself, the police could never police spitting but it's illegal in a lot of countries because it spreads diseases that and chewing gum as well that always oh, up chewing gum i've banned the sale of chewing gum immediately do you know um do you know what else as well that some people do which is disgusting they clear their nostrils oh no 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 they do that in hong kong foul we used to watch people by the side of the road yeah yes foul. people do it all the time foul. i know Absolutely but foul. it's the spitting which i find particularly disturbing yeah I don't know why. I don't know why. Because it's generally by people of limited intelligence and filth. Swallow. Talking of filth, remember that asylum seeker who's living in the million and a half pound house in Acton? Yes. Remember her? Yes. The one who doesn't speak a word of English and was claiming £170,000 a year in benefits. Well, she wasn't content with that. She's thieved another 30 grand. Has she? And uh, so they're considering a custodial sentence. Uh, well, they'll consider To be honest it. with you, if I was running the courts, I would be upping this entire family and shoving them back where they bloody well came mm. from. 
Well, it was like those squatters in that poor man's house. He saved all his life to buy a million-pound house in yes. Archway. Yes. He's now got back into it, and it's been completely ruined. Well, that's what squatters do. They're, they're yes. thieving, thieving toe rags. And I had people I'd ring back, hanging, ring back my sh- ring my show, saying, "Well, they're giving squatters a bad name." Well, I don't know. Did squatters ever have a good name? I'm not sure. What makes me laugh is some of the squatters are, are professional Italian squatters, or wherever they come from, and some of them are actually quite well healed. Uh, sort of posh people who've gone off the rails because they're a bit stupid. Well, and they're kind of rebelling against mummy and daddy and that kind of stuff. A- apparently, traditional squatters would only choose properly empty places, which and they would leave it in a very nice state afterwards, and when they were asked to leave, they would leave, apparently. Yes. Mm. That's, that's, that's the, the, the traditional squatter, but now mm. we've actually got kind of yobbo squatters. That's, that's what I was Yes. <laughs> they're, 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 they're general, as I say, people generally on drugs, they sit there smoking their wid, wid, Oh, weed or something. I don't know what me. they're doing. I have no idea. And they sort of smoke this marijuana stuff. Mm. And weed? they sit there... Sorry? Weed. Well, if you must go now, yes. <laughs> and just put your hand up first and then you can leave the room. But uh, it, but you're right. All that, all that sort of stuff's changed now. But when you get a benefit fraudster mm. who is, who's been given handouts, why on God's name we're giving this woman handouts? I can't imagine. She seems... Because they're actually running four cars. They've got plasma in every room. I'm thinking, mm. you're living better than we are, love, and I'm working. <laughs> Get the hell out. The EU law now, that's the problem. It's, ma- it's made so easy for people to fiddle benefits mm. that you can put down anything. Nobody ever checks. No. I said the other day, I've actually got uh, a person I know within my vicinity who's claiming a uh, housing benefit mm. and claiming he's earning £200 a week. He's out private hire carring every day. Every se- If he's making 200 quid a week, I'm Dutch. Oh my word. Well, I He's another what, fraudster. I know, uh, this is how easy it used to be anyway. Mm. I know someone who was, um, who was claiming uh, benefits. This was years ago. Yeah. And they were being a bit naughty because they were working in a shop at the same time. Normal. So they, all, their, all her brothers were filling in, just signing, the, to, uh, signing on for her. So yeah. all the signatures were different. They called her in for a meeting because they noticed all the signatures were different. So she just acted kind of a bit stupid and pretended that her signatures were different all the time. And they said, oh, well, clearly you're a bit slow. Golden capacity benefit. Here, oh, it's more money. I gave him more money. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, it's, it's, I mean, that, that annoys me because, but then, as I suppose, you, you can't blame these people for taking something. People are so stupid and they hand it out, that's their problem. Yesterday, I, I always derive great pleasure of watching people fiddling the blue badges mm. in Kingston. And there's a, a sports shop and they always park outside there. And, I'm watch- and there's one particular car, and it was a Mercedes. Mm. And I had to sort of step... I'd been to the Joe Malone shop. I got me little candles in my bag, just going back. And this woman's pushing a trolley. Mm. Young woman. And, and she's pushing a trolley. Across, and I'm thinking, you're not pushing it home, are you, love? Don't tell me you're getting in a bloody disabled car, please. Able to push a trolley. She was. She was about 18, 19. Okay. Quite clearly, it's her mother's disabled sticker. And so she happily lifts out all this shopping into the boot. That's and I'm thinking, awful, isn't you're it? a crook, love. You're a benefit... Benefit crook That's you are. You terrible. drive me That's bloody mad. Terrible. That terrible. Is terrible. It's awful. It is terrible. I've never claimed anything in my life. Oh, I think I went on the dole once years ago when I had no the work. Dog. Well, I had no work. I never went on the dole. No, I did for a few weeks. Did you? It, but it's, it's so soul destroying. Actually, yeah. it motivated me so much to get work again. It's I think I went to a job centre once, and it was so in Harleston, and it was the most depressing experience. I walked out again. <laughs> You'd have kept them talking for three hours. I would have been out the door. <laughs> Bizarre, <laughs> isn't it? Really? Yeah, I just... yeah. Listen, we just want to know if you've been looking this week yeah. for a job. Well, another thing that happened to me. Yes, was... <laughs> let me tell you. On Monday, when I went out. <laughs> anyway, it's lovely to see you. Andy, absolutely. Looking pleasure. forward to seeing Thanks you tomorrow. For the compliments on how I'm looking. That's at the okay. Moment. It's looking well. In fact, the trouble is, it's a bit difficult to tell whether you're changing shape because you don't change your clothes, do you? No, you no, do I wear keep the same thing every day. You do have the same clothes. <laughs> so in fact, 
I can't fit into anything else. So when I'm when I when I've lost it all again, you'll see that I've got actually quite an extensive wardrobe. Yes. Okay, right. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> At the moment, it's just my black trousers, my same fleece top. The only thing I've got left I can fit into. Was that it? Really? Yeah, it's true. Oh wow. Wait, when's the holiday? Um, in twelve weeks on Wednesday. Dear God. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Thank you. Good luck. Thank you. Bye. Bye. It's Christo. He's back with you tomorrow morning. Bye. Got nothing to wear. It's got to come off all this weight in twelve weeks. It's a bit like a challenge, you know. If, if he was a celebrity like Colleen Nolan, you know, he could sort of, you know, bring out a DVD, lose the weight, and then just pile it back on again after the holiday. Wouldn't make any difference. Uh, we have received today. Thank you, Merle. The how to give a cat a pill. Now, the last time we did this on the program, we had um, we had a lot of response and a lot of people saying, "Is it possible we can get it again?" Well, I'd forgotten where it came from, and so Merle very kindly sent it back in again. And so we'll be doing that for you in a few minutes' time. So you better brace yourself because it's 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 very funny. Not not just for people who've got cats, but for anybody else. And also uh, the instructions this morning coming up on how to wash a toilet. This is also very very funny. Plus we've got the list of who is playing at the royal wedding. The musicians. I'm delighted to say that you're going to get the uh, I think it's the RAF band, which I'm very pleased about. Uh, plus some other people as well. And we've got all your texts and emails, 84850steve at lbc.co.uk. I re-emphasise again, which I said yesterday, do not give to people on the streets, uh, and I haven't seen anybody as yet, but no doubt the crooks will be out there collecting for Japan. None of the official agencies are collecting for Japan at the moment. And uh, to be honest with you, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to rattle buckets. and get. I saw people the other day. And I don't know how you're supposed to tell a genuine collector from a crook, but we get lots during rugby time because the rugby fans get a bit drunk and they just hand money over to people. They go, we'd like to give to the... And they just make up some quack thing. You can buy these buckets anywhere. You can buy them on the internet. You print a label off, you stick it on the side of it, and the police very rarely do anything at all unless somebody makes an official complaint. So these people are out there probably coining up to a 1,000 quid. And so I've said, unless... You know, one of the agencies comes out and says, we are collecting officially for Japan, who have not asked for a penny piece. Do not give to anybody, OK? Do not give, because you've got no idea where the money is going. No idea. They have, you know, at the moment, only the big agencies, if they were doing it and they're not, would know how to get the money to the country. Somebody just stand there going, you give some money to, to Japan. You know, you go, I don't think so, love. I, I tend to be quite rude to these people now, I'm afraid, because there's so many of them rattling. Give, give to the help. Please help. Please help. I think, you look bent to me. You look bent, so I, I don't give to them, I'm afraid. If you're going to give, do it the official way. Do it online, and that way it's much easier. But don't just be sort of fooled into handing over money to somebody, because chances are, out on the street, there's going to be a lot of people who are willing to take your money from you. What? I can't lip-read. It's hopeless from here. It really is. I can't... I've tried desperately with him. He sort of, he'll, he'll say something, and because it's at the end of his, his programme, he's, he's a little bit sort of, you know, Ray Allen and Lord Charles. And, um, you know, I can't understand a word he's saying. He is like the worst ventriloquist in the world. You know, the mouth's moving, but you've got no idea what's coming out of it at all. And also because he's bathed in shadows, which actually makes him look quite attractive next door. So that, that's quite good. In fact, if we turn, turn the lights off, you much get a much better picture. Uh, Jordan's uh, Alex Reed is seething. Uh, he's accused the model of giving her toy boy. It's the bloke who doesn't speak a word of English, and who I think must have been over here a bit too long now. I thought he was on a five-day visa. But, uh, as I say, she likes parading somebody around, and, in fact, uh, it's, one, it's our very own Jane Moore who sums up Jordan quite beautifully 
because she says she doesn't even like herself. She's very sad and very lonely, something we've been saying for a while. So that's good, isn't it, really? I always thrive on other people's misery, and as long as she's miserable, I couldn't care less. What with him, her, Peter, Andre, and the kids, I feel as though our life is so much better off without them. 16 past five. These are the headlines you're waking up to overnight in Japan. Another radiation leak has forced all workers to leave that nuclear power station. They've now been let back in. It's reported France is urging any French people to leave the country or head south. And there's been another big aftershock shaking buildings in Tokyo. It's reported helicopter gunships have attacked anti-government protesters in Bahrain. The Foreign Office has advised all British citizens to leave the country after a three-month state of emergency was declared. And Olympic organisers say it's no bad omen the fact a giant clock, counting, counting down the hours to 2012, broke down hours after being turned on. It's back up and running in Trafalgar Square after it froze yesterday, the day that tickets for the game went on sale. Let's have a check on the roads for you, shall we? This morning, it's Jay Louise. Thank you very much, Steve, and good morning, starting in Canada. Morning, team. Nice to be company. Welcome to Wednesday morning, 19 minutes past five on yesterday's show, says Paul. Mr Warrington mentioned the film Krakatoa, East of Java, and said he'd seen it on a very big screen. It was actually shown in Cinerama, which originally used three projectors all in sync. The most famous film in the process was How the West Was Won. In fact, when it's shown on TV, you can actually see the faint lines where the three images join. I know of two cinemas in London which had it, the Prince Edward... And, uh, and on films at the time, the London Coliseum. There's also a very good website about it with pictures. Also, Saturday's films, ABC was the Miners Club, and when the two companies merged, Odeon and Gaumont, they had the Mickey Mouse Club. The ABC song was sung to the tune of Blaze Away. I can't remember how Blaze Away went. I cannot remember. Uh, Jane Moore, in her column today, says for her 22nd birthday, Jenny Thompson was presented with a cake depicting her and another girl in a money-strewn bed with Shrek. It was a culinary pastiche of the threesome she claims she has had with footballer Wayne Rooney, who reportedly paid her for sex on other occasions too. When she saw the cake, Jane says, described by guests as the highlight of the night, Jenny apparently burst out laughing. Jane Moore says, as a reflection of the steady decline of morals among certain young girls and the effect it has on society as a whole, it should make the rest of us want to burst into tears. I absolutely agree. What a sad, tragic old tart this woman was, honestly. Sold her little tatty story for a 30 piece of silver, and that's her claim to fame. What are you, darling? You're a hooker. Marvellous. In this day and age, you make your money, you know, doing that and then selling the story afterwards. It's prostitution of the worst possible kind. Why is anybody surprised, says Jane, by Katie Price trying to publicly humiliate her estranged husband, Alex Reed, by tweeting intimate details about her new relationship with some Argentinian himbo whose name escapes me. As I've said many times before, the girl hates herself. So when a relationship is new, she can happily be the cartoonish Jordan with her porn star pouting and boasts of sexual prowess. But when it progressed to the uh, temerity of easy familiarity, normality and love, rather than lust, that's when she has to be Katie. And the demons emerge that force her to self-destruct. Because the trouble is, as Peter Andre said, their love life was non-existent. It's mainly in her mind where she was talking, about, pouty, 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 sexy, sexy, sexy. And, of course, she's as flat as a fish in bed, let me tell you, as anybody will tell you who ever saw her little film she made with Dane Bowers. Talk about lying there and trying to animate the dead. It was really disgraceful. So, uh, poor old Jordan, we do a wish her the best of luck. My advice is therapy. You know, I don't want to be rude about it, but I'm, she needs to see somebody, for God's sake, because, you know, these poor kids... Who is this, Mammy? Uh, this is another person that Mummy's friendly with. 
Who is he? I don't know. He doesn't speak English. But I met him at Elton John's party. And that's as good as it gets. Never mind. Um, some other bloke, desperate to get in the papers, cheated on his girlfriend. It's quite normal in this day and age. And, um, and he then paraded around town to show how sorry he was with a silly little sign around his stupid little neck saying, I cheated on my girlfriend. I'm humiliating myself to show her I am sorry. Um, he's a rather stupid person, I'm afraid. Uh, his name is Joe, 26, but with the mental ability of a peanut, I'm afraid. Uh, he, he, comedian Joe of Brighton. That'll be the extent of your fame, will it, dear? You cheated on your girlfriend. Uh, he's now having to sleep on a sofa at their flat. And, uh, they actually went to the beach for peace talks. You sad little pathetic specimen, honestly. How stu- how desperate are you, Joe? And you cheated on her. I tell you, if I was her, I'd have your little belongings kicked out straight away. Cheat once, mate. You don't do it again. Other stories in the papers today? You know, other nice, happy stories? Uh, apart from Colleen... Uh, leaving loose women. Uh, this is the woman who, for four years on the show, and I remember saying at the time, I used to watch with great interest when it first started, because it had a bit of edge. Then they decided to go down market, and they brought in Colleen, who, to be honest with you, really wasn't the, the sort of class of... She couldn't conduct a conversation, and would sit there with the guest in the middle, and she never said a word. And I used to find it quite odd, and then I suddenly realised she's thick as a brush. She's got nothing to say to them, and so she would sit there just sort of nodding... And that accounted, you know, for, in her mind, as television presenting. Whereas uh, Carol McGiffin was chatting away to them and Sherry Houston would be chatting away and Jane MacDonald. Colleen would sit there with a glazed look in her face because she didn't know anything about anybody. She was only interested in talking about her and her dreary husband, Ray, and their peculiar children. One of whom, at 16, she wanted to take to Amsterdam to get him his first hooker. And she told us this on the programme. Shane Ritchie then goes on and goes, I don't think he is. She used to go on to Colleen on the television. She's a little bit me, 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 needy, 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 needy. And she went on, I think it was uh, Trisha Goddard's show, to talk about the painful split that she had from Shane Ritchie. And it was all a little bit traumatic. And then she rather stupidly brought out a fitness DVD. Bit of a waste there, love. And then secondly, she told us that she's never actually laughed genuinely in her whole career. So that kind of ruined it for everybody. People then watching, thinking... So you're just fake, are you, from top to blooming bottom? And, of course, Denise Welsh is her favourite on the panel. They quite clearly got on well because they've obviously got the same base level of humour. And uh, so she, I'm quitting Loose Women on the front of the mirror, read the other papers, and it's by mutual decision. You know, they're very grateful that she's contributed so much to the programme, but they're moving on. And they've decided after ten years that they're going to have a bit of a change around, so they're going to bring in Janet Street Porter... And so she's going to be sitting there with that comedian, whose name I can't remember, but she's everywhere at the moment as well. And then Janet Street Poor R turned up yesterday on Alan Titchmarsh, together with Gloria Honeyford and... I can't remember who the other person was. Obviously, instantly forgettable. It'll probably come to my mind in a moment. And there they were talking about, you know, Midsummer Murders and the fact that there were no ethnic people in it. Of course, Janet Street Poor R uh, was the one who was saying it's disgraceful... And they should have ethnic people. And then somebody who, who lives in these villages, and one of the other actors said, it's not real. We don't really have 222 murders or a murder every week in this village. It's, it's called fiction. It's not real at all. It's pretend. But uh, the papers are out there trying... All the actors on the, on the show have said exactly the same. Don't change it. And then, strangely enough, if you want to start trawling through British programmes, I'm a big fan of The Good Life. The good life, you know, where they've got, you know, the f- family. 
no blacks, no Asians in that either, except last night, and how ironic that I was watching it, whereas at the end of one of the series, one of the, one of the programmes, the goods next door, uh, the house next to them is coming up for sale. And, and um, Richard Bryars says to Margot, he says, uh, we said the house is coming up for sale. And she goes, oh, that'll be nice. Who's buying it? And he goes, it's a Mr So-and-so Patel. And she goes, Jerry, Jerry. And you think to yourself, all these bits were in there. In fact, do you remember in Faulty Towers, when Sybil goes into hospital to have an ingrowing toenail done, the doctor is black. And you remember that uh, he actually recoils, the husband, at seeing a black doctor. Like, Ooh, what are you doing here, kind of thing. So it's all there. So Midsummer Mud, it's not real. It's pretend. It's a pretend situation. I think everybody agrees there. And in fact, even in the, uh, even the Daily Mail today, they say it's a very, very sinister case of politics. But they managed to find the producer and the co-writer going in for a meeting yesterday, being driven by an Asian driver. So they've made big play in the, uh, in the paper today that he was driven by an Asian driver. Like, like that kind of means anything. Here he is. Here's, here's The Bachelor. OK, this is who you write to. Matthew Breach. OK, he's got £17.5 million. Hasn't had a girlfriend for a few years. And he's looking for love. I mean, with £17.5 he can actually get a lot of love. I mean, he could get anybody for that. £17.5 million, you know. And they've also got uh, a dog that he could buy. Because he's got £17 million. What sort of dog would you buy? Here it is. This is a red Tibetan Mastiff. It has just been sold for £945,000. Big Splash, or Hong Dong in Chinese, is uh, a new multi-millionaire. He was bought by a coal baron from the north of China. I've never seen a dog like it, to be honest with you. I've seen a few dogs in my time, but I've not seen one like this. He ca- so it's a million-pound pup. It's phenomenal. The owner will need a big house too, as this one weighs 286 pounds, the same as a sizeable rugby player. He eats chicken and beef to fill a growing 180 pounds at the moment, spiced up with Chinese delicacies, delicacies such as sea cucumber and abalone. So here he is, bought by a coal baron, a red Tibetan mastiff. It's quite some dog. So it bloody well should be for nearly a million, a million pounds. I mean, I can't believe that you could spend a million quid on a dog. I mean, I would, you know, I find it horrendous when people go, you know, they show you their dog and you go, oh, that's like, how much was that? And they go, uh, 500 pounds. 500 pounds? Oh my, how much did you pay for the cat? Because um, a friend of mine, Helen, has got two cats, which, you know, she's actually, she wasn't sure about them to start with. And now she's like, oh, the cats are curled up with me on the settee. I thought, of course they are. You're giving them food. That's what they want. But we will be giving you, just after the news, how to give a cat a pill for those people who missed it last time, OK? So brace yourself, London, because it's time to put a smile on your face. This is LBC 97.0. Morning, everybody. 28 minutes to six is the time. Just one day away from the birthday. Woo, a bit exciting, you know. Presents have started arriving. The cards are piling up. He's unhappy. Uh, how to give a cat a pill... This came in a little while ago. In fact, actually, might have come in, I don't know, best part of... Might be six months ago. Uh, have we lost Pops? Oh, there. There you go. There you is, go. Did, that, what, is that what? yours? That's my phone, yeah. OK. Carl's left his phone somewhere. Oh, oh good. Keep, let's use it. Let's use it. Make, <laughs> make, let's make phone calls. He's left his phone in. If I find it, I'm going through his phone book. <laughs> and and his photo album. I want to see what's in it. Does he have a posh phone or is it cheap? I don't know. No, it's not in here. Nothing in here. If I find it, I'm not going to tell him. I'm going to keep it. 
I like checking people's uh, photos. <laughs> Mine are very dull. Just pictures of me in the car. Anyway, so here it is. This is for all those people who have great difficulty in giving a cat a tablet. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried it. It's a lot easier when they're, when they're kittens. Uh, when they get to be cats, it becomes a little bit more of a problem. So, here goes. First of all, pick up the cat and cradle it in the crook of your arm as if holding a baby. Position right forefinger and thumb on either side of the cat's mouth and gently apply pressure to the cheeks whilst holding pill in right hand. As cat opens mouth, pop pill into mouth, allow cat to close mouth and swallow. Retrieve pill from the floor and cat from behind sofa. Cradle cat in left arm and repeat process. Retrieve cat from bedroom and throw soggy pill away. <laughs> Take new pill from foil wrap. Cradle cat in left arm, holding rear paws tightly with left hand. Force jaws open. <laughs> Push pill to back of mouth with right forefinger. Hold mouth shut for a count of ten. Retrieve pill from goldfish bowl and cat from top of wardrobe. Call spouse from garden. Kneel on floor with cat wedged firmly between knees. Hold front and rear paws. Ignore low sounds emitted by cat. Get spouse to hold head firmly with one hand whilst forcing wooden ruler into mouth. <laughs> Drop pill down ruler and rub cat's throat vigorously. <laughs> Retrieve cat from curtain rail. <laughs> Get another pill from foil wrap. Make note to buy a new ruler and repair curtains. Carefully sweep shattered figurines and vases from hearth and set to one side for gluing later. Wrap cat in large towel. <laughs> Get spouse to lie on cat with head just visible from below armpit. Put pill... <laughs> Put pill in drinking straw. Force mouth open with pencil and blow down drinking straw. <laughs> che check label to make sure pill not harmful to humans. <laughs> Drink a beer to take taste away. <laughs> Apply that band-aid to the spouse's forearm and remove blood from carpet with cold water and soap. <laughs> Retrieve cat from neighbour's shed. Get another pill. Open another beer. Place cat in cupboard. Close door on it to neck to leave head showing. Force mouth open with dessert spoon. Flick pill down throat with elastic band. Fetch screwdriver from garage and put cupboard door back on hinges. <laughs> Drink beer. Fetch bottle of scotch. Pour, shot, drink. Apply cold compress to cheek and check records for date of last tetanus shots. <laughs> Apply whiskey compress to, ch to cheek to disinfect. Toss back another shot. Throw T-shirt away and fetch new one from bedroom. Call fire department to retrieve the damn cat from across the road. <laughs> Apologise to neighbour who crashed into fence while swerving to avoid the cat. <laughs> Take last pill from foil wrap. Take the little so-and-so's front paws to rear paws with garden twine and bind tightly to leg of dining room table. <laughs> Find heavy-duty pruning gloves from shed. <laughs> Push pill into mouth. Followed by a large piece of fillet steak. Be rough about it. Hold head vertically and pour two pints of water down throat to wash pill down. <laughs> Consume remainder of scotch. 
Paquette's spouse to drive you to the emergency unit. <laughs> Sit quietly while doctor stitches fingers and forearm <laughs> and removes pill remnants from right eye. <laughs> Call furniture shop on way home toward a new table. Finally, arrange for RSPCA to collect mutant cat from hell and call local pet shop to see if they've got any hamsters. <laughs> Isn't that the best ever? Isn't that just the best ever? I just love it to pieces. It's worth podcasting the programme just for that bit. Even though I've read it twice now, it just makes me laugh every time. Thank you, Merle, very much indeed. Oh, dear, honestly. Because you can visualise it, can't you? You know if you've ever tried... I love the bit with the straw. <laughs> trying to blow the pill. Because we've all done that. I remember being, as, as a kid, I remember sort of trying to take a pill. Your mum would put it in your mouth. OK, have you swallowed it? You go, yes. Then you put your tongue out and it's still on your tongue. And you could do this three or four times. But giving a cat a pill... It's just the funniest ever. It just makes me laugh every time. Uh, good news about the royal wedding. The music has uh, been settled. They've not given us the names of the tracks that they're playing, but as well as the fanfare team from the central band of the Royal Air Force, we, the state trumpeters of the Household Cavalry will also perform as part of the wedding service. And uh, it promises to be really good. They've got choirs coming in. I think it's Westminster Abbey's choir. And then they bring in some other people. I think they're called the Lay Vicars. Uh, they're people who are associated with choirs from around the countryside, so they're actually coming in as well. So it, it promised me, really, I'm quite looking forward to it. I really am. I know people are saying, mm, not really interested at all. Remember I told you the other day that I was, we were down at the London Eye on Friday having pictures taken, and, uh, and it was pretty chilly, actually, and I, was, I was on my phone, and I was aware of this man and his friend coming towards me. And I thought, they're going to ask for money. They're going to ask... I just thought this feeling they're going to ask for money. And uh, he said, I just wanted to say, Steve, we love your programme and all the rest of it. So anyway, he then sent me in... They then took a photo. But I, I could see out the corner of my eye they were taking the photo. And it's Joe and Pat from Cork. And so he sent me in a copy of the photo. He says, have a great birthday from the two Irishmen who intruded on your privacy at the London Eye recently, as we especially enjoy your Thursday banter with Paul Savory. I'm afraid amazement to see you overcame good manners. No, it was fine. It was fine. And uh, you have a, a good St. Patrick's Day tomorrow as well, Joe and Pat. Thank you very much indeed for that. Got to cut out the smoking, though. <laughs> Sometimes I sit there thinking, I wish I smoked still. Um, are you going away when you have your days off at the end of March, says Noreen? No, I'm not. I'm just having, I'm just having a rest. Uh, a a well-deserved rest for, um, for um, five days. So I'll work the Sunday, which I think is the 27th, and I'm off 28, 29, 30, 31, 1. 1st of April, so you can't send in any of those rude things. For, that's no joke. That's true, true, true. So I'll take that week off, and I'll be back in on the Sunday again. OK. Uh, can you wish Jan a great time when she's away, please? And John, of course. Yeah, John goes away tomorrow. He didn't sound well yesterday, did he? I didn't think he sounded as well as he has been. He's had this dreadful sort of flu type thing. And uh, he was suffering with it a little bit. Tony Griffiths wrote in to me. And uh, he says, uh, Gilda O'Neill was my sister. Now, Gilda passed away just a short while ago, and she was a big LBC fan. She used to contact me, all oh, for a long, 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 long time. And uh, we were very sad to hear about that, as indeed we are for a lot of people, but uh, especially when it's, it's somebody that you know as well. He says, our dad used to tell me that when he was at school in Poplar, Angela Lansbury was in the same year. She was very bossy and made them go round the street singing a song, drumming up support for her dad, who was a counsellor. So there you go, you see. I knew there'd be a link somewhere. It's probably mentioned in one of the books, isn't it, Tony, do you reckon? But lovely to hear from you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. We still think about her uh, all the time. Uh, Rupert is, uh, works for the Met Police. 
uh, up at uh, Hendon. And he says, my role can be quite dangerous at times. I know the feeling. He said, so it's much appreciated when you put me in the right mood for a busy day. Well, hopefully the pill and the cat worked uh, for you this morning. He says, do you have a Twitter account? I do. You can find it on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. Um, uh, this is, oh, this is the, the one from, from Bradley. He says, I heard you mention something about giving a cat a pill, but I can't remember where you heard it. And he says, uh, just in case, if this is right, my partner, who is quite famous and well-known in certain areas, made a video blog of giving a cat a pill. Well, now you've heard it on the programme. Now you know what it is and just how funny it is. It just, I bet, honestly, we'll have people writing in going, that was the funniest thing I've ever heard. Or there'll be somebody writing in going, I didn't laugh once. <laughs> uh, Gary is still on uh, holiday in Thailand, very hot. Really don't care. Really don't care. With Claire. I'll be having a nice time. He sent pictures of sunset, you know, pictures of beaches, like I've never seen a beach before. And um, I should imagine, you know, he'll be coming back a completely different colour to the uh, to the one he went. Uh, Stella says, uh, last Sunday on your show, I heard comments about crayfish and push-button tea dispensers. Don't go to Sweden during August as you may have a problem refusing invitations to a crayfish party. Every household has such a party. Oh, I can't believe anything worse. And Stella also has a push-button tea dispenser, which is over 50 years old. This is it. We used to put loose tea in, and then you would uh, you'd push the, you'd hold the pot underneath, and you'd push the buttons, uh, and each, each push of the button gave you, apparently, a spoonful of tea. So if you were making... For some reason, I can't remember how it worked. But if you were making a pot of tea for four people, you'd put in four, and then you'd push it again, one for the pot. I don't know why we did one for the pot. For the life of me, I can't remember why we did that, but we did, and it was loose-leaf tea, as opposed to nowadays it's all tea bags. Thanks, Bobby. All tea bags and stuff like that. We laugh. How we laugh. Why do we need a clock, says Roger, to tell us when the Olympics are going to start? I don't know. I don't know. And uh, one here... Re-blue badges. Young people can be disabled too. Not all those in genuine need of parking badges look disabled. Well, they, yes, you see, but this woman was pushing a trolley. She was able to lift things out. The whole raison d'etre of the blue badge is that you have it because you cannot walk very far. This woman was pushing a trolley and able to lift it out. So I know exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to blue badges. I'm quite well aware of what it is. Quite clear this woman was using it fraudulently. So there you go. And uh, Dee says, nice to hear some laughter in this rather grim global time. What was the other story? A bit like the cat and the pills about cooking and getting drunk. Yeah, that's the Christmas one. That's the... That's making a Christmas cake, which is very funny where you're making it. Although the the other one that we have as well, which I I forgot to mention to you, is how to wash a toilet. Do you remember this one? This... this, 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 It's only a short one, this one. This is, put both lids of the toilet up and add one-eighth of pet shampoo to the water in the bowl. Pick up Cat and soothe him while you carry him towards the bathroom. In one smooth movement, put the cat in the toilet and close the lid. You may need to stand on the lid at this uh, moment. The cat will self-agitate and make ample suds. Never mind the noises that come from the toilet. The cat's actually enjoying this. Flush the toilet three or four times. This provides a power wash and rinse. Have someone open the front door of your home. Make sure there are no people between the bathroom and the front door. Stand behind the toilet as far as you can and quickly lift the lid. The cat will rocket out of the toilet, streak through the bathroom and run outside where he will dry himself off. Both the toilet and the cat will be sparkling clean. 
There you go. You could try that yourself. That was uh, sent in by a dog. Because uh, so <laughs> do- because actually, somebody also, I think it's at the bottom of Merle's thing, if you want to give a, a dog a pill, unlike the cat, first of all, wrap pill in bacon, throw in air. Easy peasy. Dog will eat straight away. Quarter to six. These are the headlines you're waking up to this morning. Workers who were evacuated from the Japanese nuclear site earlier after rising radiation levels were detected have now been allowed back on the site. Earlier fire broke out once again at Reactor 4 and officials were also trying to find the cause of white smoke coming from Reactor 3. Security forces in Bahrain have attacked anti-government protesters in the capital Manama. The Foreign Office has advised all British citizens to leave the country after a three-month state of emergency was declared. And the Mayor has claimed expanding London's airports is a matter of social justice. Boris Johnson says the government's opposition to any new runways in the south-east is crazy and warned it's risking London's future economic growth. Let's get you there nice and quick this morning, shall we? All the information at her fingertips, it's Jay Louise. Thank you very much, Steve. Good morning. Well, another foggy start, I'm afraid. seven. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. 13 minutes to six is the time. Some this morning, the exodus from uh, Tokyo, because they're now panicking. Although Elliot, I think, phoned earlier on, said people just going about their, their daily business. He's in Tokyo, so knows all about it. Uh, Alex Reed, The only northerner in The Only Way is Essex show has slammed the reality TV show as phony. Mikey Fisher claimed that most of the action in clubs, bars and nail salons is set up. He says you get told what to say and what to do. Yes, absolutely. And that's... I thought people knew that the only way is Essex. It's what they say is, OK, this is the situation. Now act that bit out. They're not given scripts, but they're told what, what the story is. So they're just, they're just playing parts. So that, that's... Yes, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult to explain what it is. It's a cross between a reality show and a documentary and, and a soap. It kind of fits all of them. Because... Uh, uh, the, the makers have said it's completely unfounded, but they are told what to do. They're, they're, they're sort of set-up situations. It still doesn't matter what it is. I mean, there's still a bunch of funny people that you want to watch because they're so stupid. You know, I don't know why it is that poor old Essex girls get this this dreadful reputation for being a bit thick, you know, and sort of behaving like, oh, I don't know, I want to go out there, I don't know, kind of stuff. You know, they're not all like poor Amy in the series and poor Lauren, you know, thick as a brush, both of them, I'm afraid. You'd have to, it's, you know, around, around Essex, you ask most Essex people, and they go, people aren't like that around here. They're really not. It's just the ones that you find for TV shows, because the rest of the country is getting on with their, with their job. I feel sorry for Alexandra Burke. Her brother's a coke dealer, I'm afraid, and he's been exposed. He says that the good news is that now he's got all the, the celebrity contacts. He claims that he's supplying to uh, a leading member of a, of a boy band and various other people. She knows nothing about this at all. It's not the kind of thing. They did say some time ago he was going off the rails, and now the son have pictured him and they've interviewed him. Uh, she's spoken in, in the past of her concern for him, so it probably won't come as too much of a surprise that he's kind of fallen off the edge of the cliff. Uh, he says he can get you really pure coke. And he said he supplies to loads of celebrities. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm in the real world. That doesn't... Why, why would that not surprise me anymore? I'm assuming that so many, after Stephen Fry told us he'd been taking cocaine for 15 years. 15 years. Not surprised he walked out of a, a show and then claimed to have this breakdown because he was bipolar and this and that. That's what drugs do to you, I think. I'm so grateful I never did drugs. I'm so, well, it's Halliborange. We had a bit of an incident with Halliborange. That's as far as I'm going. But uh, I never did it. I was, I was quite lucky, actually, quite lucky. Justin Bieber has had a, a waxwork uh, done of him. I suppose it looks like him, but not as he looks now, because he's got a different haircut. They haven't quite got this emo look right. Smiley Culture, the reggae star, 
stabbed himself to death after being arrested in a drugs bust. He asked police if he could make a cup of tea before t- being taken into custody, and uh, he then grabbed a carving knife and stabbed himself. I mean, you've got to be deranged to want to do anything like that. And uh, they're now going to probe the death, but they've said there's no uh, no suspicious circumstances. 7am uh, raid on his house in Walliam. Why do they always do it early in the morning? You know why? Because people are in bed. So even as I'm speaking, there are probably police officers standing there in riot gear going, oh, it's another one of these dirt... You know, somebody's got to go in and smash the door down. But uh, they were... He was already on bail over a quarter of a million pound cocaine seizure. They must be really desperate, these people. You want to kill yourself over something like that. Just, you know, if you don't want to do the time, don't do the crime. It's not difficult, is it? It's really not difficult. Um, here's, uh, the story in the paper today of a charity shop. Oh, no, not the charity shop. It was the car park. This bloke drives into a car park in his car and he gets out of the car to go to the machine to buy a ticket, which we all do. In the time that it took him to walk to the machine and walk back, they'd given him a ticket on his car. He said, so I've written to them saying, I was just buying a ticket. And they've gone, just gone up to £100 now. Because it's one of these private car parks. Uh, there have been a string of complaints about this one. This is um, Exeter Central Station, and uh, they've said that the charge is lawful. So it's a, it's a £75 parking ticket. He said they must have been sitting there watching me, getting out of the car. The moment I walked to the machine, he said they wrote the ticket out. I mean, it's absolutely disgraceful. String of complaints last uh, week... Matthew Daniel of Tiverton was also charged £75. He said, I think they were watching me as well. Isn't that absolutely dreadful? And, of course, that some of these people are quite horrible. Quite horrible. Not very nice at all. Um, one in five kids hates being outside and can't ride a bike. Really? Not round our way. They can all ride bike. Who can't ride a bike? Come on, hands up. Everybody must be able to ride a bike. Oh, you remember that programme I saw the other week which had the... The young people working with the elderly people. And they were trying to show you the differences between young people who, who just ignore elderly people. And yet, unfortunately, they're going to be elderly at some point. Breaks your heart. At one point, you've got the, uh, the black kid there whose father left him. And he hasn't seen him since he was, I think, about four. Confiding to this very elderly white guy. And, and they bonded. And he said, he said, I've never had a father figure and this, this old guy said, he said, well, he said, listen, I'm just advised, he said, I can only tell you the truth. And it was quite clearly the father figure that he'd never had. It was really touching. And then he said, can I just give you a hug? And there was loads of this going on. There was the old boy who was with the, uh, the blonde girl. I can't remember any of their names, but they, it, was, it was really wonderful. And they were making Cornish pasties. And she said to him while they were making the Cornish pasties, she said, she said, I feel that we really, I really, really know you so, so well. And he said, I've, I feel the same. And so, and then she, she, asked, she asked that fatal question. She said, when did your wife die? And he said, it was 19 years ago. And then he, he started to break down. And, of course, if somebody cries on the television, it has the effect of, of... Then she started crying. And then they comfort each other. And then he started to explain that when, as his wife was... In the last, I think they had the last two years together. Whatever it was, it was two years. And uh, he said, she taught me, he said, to iron and to clean. So she taught him all the skills that she'd learnt so that he could cope after she... Well, this, this poor girl is in a state like every... She's saying, bloody onion. She says, making me cry. And then he starts crying. It was really... I mean, it was, it was the sort of thing... You're all going to go through it, so don't, don't think you're going to be immune from this. Just pray that you've got somebody with you 
who's going to be as, as good as these kids were on this programme. I mean, really, really good. Really, really good. And uh, so, I, so I'm sitting there this morning trying to shave. Little tears rolling down my cheeks, honestly. Divot I am, aren't I? Honestly, affected by a television programme. Me! <laughs> I should go-go. You know, do you think Jordan ever cries? No, shouldn't think so either. 84850, steve at uk. And strangely, on the same subject, Caroline wrote to me and says, I heard your programme about the sad passing of pets. Because people were writing in yesterday about pets that had passed over. She said, I've had lots of pets since I was a little girl. And I came across an article, and it was written about that. And it's, it's called Just This Side of Heaven. It's a place called Rainbow Bridge. When an animal dies that's been especially close to someone, the pet goes to Rainbow Bridge. There are meadows and hills and everything else. And it's this fantasy place. And, uh, and that's it. And so, you know, you and your special pet will meet again. The other side of heaven called Rainbow Bridge, where there are just fields and it's green and it's lovely. And, uh, you know, and you can, you can bring back all those memories. Because we have... Uh, Soren yesterday was saying that Alfie had passed away and then somebody else saying their pet had passed away. And you tend to forget, people get very, very attached to that. Very, very attached you know, more so than, in fact, sometimes better than human company, aren't they? Because at least you can't have a conversation. Well, you can have the conversation, but luckily they can't actually uh, answer back. Although sometimes just a look, I think, is enough. You know, sometimes, you know, just you're about to take the pill and blow it down the straw. You know, you think to yourself, I really don't want to do this to it. It's going to hurt you more than me. No, nope, second thought's going to hurt me more than you. And you go <clears throat> like that, and then you think, oh, my God, they've blown it back again. And so uh, you start all over again. So it's that, uh, it's that place there which is Rainbow Bridge. So once they've crossed over into Rainbow Bridge, it's a much nicer place. Uh, Clive in Sri Lanka says, can you publish the cat jokes? No. You'll have to podcast. You want to hear it again? You've got a podcast. It's well worth it. Maria, I was Maria from Hearn Hill, she says, takes me back. I used to write you during the 80s. It's not possible. Not pos- I've not been here that long. Only just joined the other week. Yeah, I mean, good heavens above. I mean, I'm only... Just coming up 40 now, so, uh, well, I'd be very young, wouldn't I? Very young. John Napper says, uh, I have to slightly disagree with your survey's findings that a bacon sandwich is the top taste to start the day. There is something about the chunk... Bacon rolls are better. You have to be honest, Do you know why bacon rolls are better? Because they're easier to do. Bacon sandwiches, apologies to vegetarians, are not much use. Whereas a bacon roll, you just sort of half-slice it, open it, pour in the, uh, the ketchup or English mustard... But anyway, he used to think that that was good to put on bacon sandwiches until he found H.P. Guinness sauce. I've never even heard of it. H.P. Guinness sauce. He says, whatever condiment you put on your bacon roll or sandwich, you have to feel sorry for vegetarians or those whose religious bans prevent them from eating bacon. They're missing out. Oh, I know a lot of people who eat bacon who perhaps shouldn't be eating bacon. They do it secretly. They draw the curtains. Close the curtains. We're having a bacon sandwich. (laughs) <laughs> and people get away with it. Why not? Why not? So, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And we talked the other day about little bras for girls. Do you remember after Matalan were bringing out a, a bra for an eight-year-old that was padded? And uh, Rob wrote and said there may be some overreaction to the bras. Agree with the T-shirt slogans, however. When my girls started to develop, they were very conscious if they're changing, of their changing body shape. And the padded bras evened out the shape and offered protection... Because um, the area could be quite tender. I don't know about. That. I can't speak with anything on that because all I all I look at is is my sixteen year old goddaughter and she's enormous. I mean, really. So uh, we weren't sure about bras for for eight year olds, but Rob Rob thinks you know Rob. <laughs> Who's coming up with Nick Ferrari this morning at seven?
Oh, Ed Balls. He's mentioned in the papers today, after his appearance on Sky News yesterday. Uh, Miranda Green is looking at the papers. Journalist and former press secretary to Paddy Ashdown. Uh, what is trolling? What is trolling? And they're talking to Mark Williams Thomas. Trolling? Uh, new twist to cyberbullying called trolling. Well, I thought trolling was where you went out, like, it's a bit like cruising, isn't it? But this is, uh, well, she doesn't have no point asking you, is there? But um, it's a new twist to cyberbullying. Interesting. So that'll be uh, talked about today. And uh, Capello considers uh, giving Terry armband back. Can you ever reform a bad boy? No, says Karen Krizanovich. I did a programme with Karen Krizanovich once. I really did. And thank you very much indeed to... Uh, uh, oh, quick, quick, quick. I can't even open my piece of paper. But it's a lovely, lovely card that came in from Chris Cooper. Thank you, Chris. Hotshot lawyer Mickey Heller gets the right verdict. No... Morning, team. Nice to be company. Welcome along. It's LBC 97.3. It's uh, Steve Allen's early breakfast. Nice to be company. Look at the... Look at the... Oh, I don't know. Was yesterday a good day? Yesterday was quite a nice day, wasn't it? Weather forecast for today. I shall tell you in una momento, just so you can, uh, you can find out exactly what you're in for. Generally cloudy, dry. The high... You see, it's getting good again. 15 centigrade, slightly up on yesterday. Currently, it's 8. Tonight, cloudy but dry. Mist and occasional fog patches. Minimum 5... Tomorrow, cloudy for much of the day. Bright or sunny spells possible at times. And for the next three days, Friday, here we go, cloudy with rain showers. And, sun- and Sunday, another sunny day, highs of 10 centigrade. I'm going down to Brighton on uh, Saturday, which is quite nice. Seaside, we're bucket and spade and all that kind of stuff. I love the, I love the British seaside. Uh, very quickly, in front of the Metro this morning, uh, they're talking about the tests which are going to be carried out on Britain's nuclear plants as part of a safety crackdown. This is in the wake of the radioactivity leak in the uh, earthquake hit Japan. Uh, The checks will take place at power stations here. Because what they've done, I think, over in uh, Japan is they evacuated everybody and now they've uh, they've put them back in again. So they're still trying to damp, dampen down. Uh, The Daily Star have got the... uh, the lucky trucker, Matt Breach, who's celebrating his lotto fortune by splashing out on flash cars and holidays. He says, I'll blow the lotto. No, he won't, because he, he, he wouldn't be that silly. Well, he would think so in this day and age. He would hope he wouldn't be that silly. Here she is, the uh, thieving benefits cheat. This is the greedy Afghan mum of seven, pocketing 170000 a year, and then fiddled an extra 30 grand. Tour paquet Sadi who lives with her family in a council-funded £1.2 million house, pleaded guilty to four counts of benefit fraud. It's so simple, they can't believe the luck, these people. 30 grand, that easy to get out of it. And an advert for Frankie Boyle's Channel 4 show featuring a badger with a machine gun and rabbits with hypodermic needles has been cleared by watchdogs. Somebody complained about it, and uh, they said that the poster could appeal to young children and that the image of drugs and violence could cause distress. Quite rightly, the Advertising Standards Authority said, don't be so stupid. Children just understand it's not real. You know, it's a little bit like close it. Do you remember there was an MP some years ago who wanted the film Home Alone taken off because he said it depicted violence? And somebody went, no, it's cartoon violence, not real violence. So, in other words, when, when he's got the iron and it comes down the stairs and it hits the bloke in the face, the face takes on the shape of the iron. It's cartoon violence. Which MPs admire their own business, don't you, half the time? Mind you, who was the MP who wanted Page 3 banned? That Claire Short. I think Claire Short campaigned for years to stop Page 3. I have to be honest, it looks a bit dated now, Page 3. You know, you can't believe that there's still girls willing to take their top off just to be in the uh, in the papers. Very sad. Um, 84850. 
Stephen Bridlington says, talking of uh, things Class A, I used to do coke on a regular basis. I said I gave up in the end because I get fed up with the ring pulls being stuck up my nose. Thank you. It's an old one, but it's still usable. Still usable in this day and age. Tomorrow's St. Patrick's Day, of course. Irishmen everywhere will be celebrating. I bet I've been sent in a big tall hat with Guinness written on it. I've just got this feeling. I've just got... I hope they've sent in some of that, that sauce with Guinness. I quite like the HP sauce with Guinness. We could go some of that this morning. That could be quite good. I'm very happy. Paddy Doherty's son is to take his place in the big fat gypsy fist fight. Girls' blouses. Stay at home, girls. Do some knitting. OK, don't be silly. Stop being silly. Born-again Christian Simey apparently said he didn't want his father to fight, so he's going to do it. He said, I thought I'd given up all this fist fighting. What a bunch of girls they really are, ladies and gentlemen. There won't be any fights. They'll all be slapped down. Have the back of their legs slapped and somebody will say, there you go. Uh, Alex Reed has sacked his agent. Name no, he had an agent. What, what would somebody like him have an agent for? Isn't, does he work in the business? I've no idea. Uh, John says, I cried yesterday when they showed that Japanese lady looking for her mother's house. I like the pictures. Well, I say I like the pictures because you, you, you've got no idea when you look at the pictures of Japan exactly what's going on. And they said, and this is the town, this is the street, and this is what it looks like now. Well, you'd have no... You couldn't find anything. Couldn't find anything. Uh, another one here. I always laugh at the cat and the pill email. However, for real fun, imagine my fun with my cat had herpes in his eyes and had to wear a contact lens. I know somebody with a diabetic cat. Who had a diabetic Somebody wrote in to me. Um, Tammy in Croydon is still working. Stuart in Guildford likes the toilet cleaning one better with the cat. And, uh, and Ali says, a student at Exeter Uni, my daughter, got done at Exeter Central Station. She parked for ten minutes and, and said, but was told, she put the ticket on upside down. Oh, they do you for that now, do they? There's probably clauses. You read these things. It's probably got to be displayed. It's like having a tax disc in the car. Anyway, uh, they just kept uh, sending threatening letters, demanding money. And we wrote to them three times, showing the ticket. Eventually, paid a fine of £120 for ten minutes parking. Never park there again. It's, you have to literally keep your wits around you. There are people willing to part you from your, uh, from your cash, I'm afraid. And parking is one of those great things. I saw a guy the other day, I was going into Sainsbury's home base, and this guy in a big 4x4 four four pulls in straight into the disabled space. Doesn't have a sticker, just gets out and goes off to do his shopping. And you think, what about the disabled people? And you think, you couldn't talk to somebody like that, because he's quite clearly too stupid. Quite clearly very, very stupid. Uh, here's Kelly Brook again, out of the town, not actually doing anything. She just goes out and goes shopping, and she was pictured in Beverly Hills. I think she must have an official photographer with her, who just takes pictures and then feeds them to the newspapers, because she doesn't actually do anything, poor soul. It's quite sweet. Uh, I like Peter Jones. We like Peter Jones because he made a, a dying boy's wish come true with a ride in a £1.6 million Bugatti Veyron. Uh, this little boy, uh, Byron, who's 11, uh, wanted to be driven in this uh, very expensive supercar. So Peter Jones heard about it, and uh, he, he tried to get Simon Cowell to lend him his Bugatti for the day, but Simon Cowell's Bugatti is unfortunately in Los Angeles, so they contacted Tom Hartley. Now, you remember Tom Hartley, because he featured on LBC about, oh dear, 20 years ago, because at 14 he was selling expensive motors in his father's business. And I think the business is now just called Tom Hartley. And he sells, you know, Bentleys and Rollses and obviously Bugattis. And so Peter contacted him. He thought Peter Jones would have had a Bugatti. And, uh, and said, listen, we need to borrow one of your cars... Uh, because this this little lad who's 11 told his mum that he wanted to ride in it after he saw it on the BBC's Top Gear. And, as I say, he's only 11. 
he's uh, he's not going to live much longer. He's only going to live for a few more weeks because he's got terminal cancer. And it was it's one of those wishes. I mean, you you couldn't deny it to anybody, could you? You know, at eleven, it's not right that uh, that this sort of thing should happen. And so. They say he's got between 12 and 16 weeks to live because his body's closing down. So they got him the ride in the car. And you think, you know, you just give him everything. You give him everything. But he's not the only little person in this country who is probably going through that at the moment. There are people all over the place. And, uh, and they go through it and it's, you know, it's tragic for the parents. It's tragic for everybody concerned. But if you can just sort of make somebody's uh, dream come true, you know, if only for a, for a few minutes... Probably not too aware. They've got a picture of him here sitting in the car. They strapped him in and they took him round for a nice ride. And, uh, and that kind of made his day. And you think, you would do anything for these kids, wouldn't you? Because, you know, you put yourself in the same position. That could be your child. And uh, at 11, not to be, you know, here to see Christmas or anything like that. It's absolutely tragic. So well done for all concern. I like stories like that. I really like stories like that. Because it kind of brings it home to you that there are, there are nice things that go on in the world. There's not just all horrible people on the television. It's not all just horrible people doing horrible things and cheating the benefits and doing the rest of it. There's actually sort of some really nice people out there who do some really, really good stuff. And it'll probably live with them for a long, long time. Long, long time. So uh, well done to Tom Hartley and Peter. Quarter past f- uh, six. With the headline, Sam Pittis. France is urging its citizens to leave Japan or head south to Tokyo to avoid the nuclear crisis there. Seven of the top... Morning, everybody. 17 minutes past six. It's Wednesday morning. No Jonathan Levi this morning. Uh, At the last minute, he's got to do some filming, and uh, so he sends his apologies. As long as you bring a note, we don't mind. Thank you to Joan, very much indeed, who said uh, you were talking uh, about family crests and the fact you didn't have one, so she's made me a family crest, which is very nice, uh, with a Christmas tree, because I like Christmas, hanging basket because you all say how nice yours are. Not, not only say how nice they are, they're on the LBC website, they're that good. Quite beautiful they were, and this year I'm hoping to top myself. Well, when I say top myself, I mean I'm going to be better than last year. I'm really, really going to be good this year. I think this year I'm going to have... one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I'm going to have 14 hanging baskets this year. The watering alone will take half a day, and, uh, and I'm really going to... I bought some some frames to put stuff in. So I'm really going to go berserk this year. Because I've decided this year it's actually going to be nice weather. Well, I hope so, anyway. Although occasionally we get uh, we get a little bit, don't we? We get a little bit of bad weather. But we can cope with it. We can cope with it. I don't mind, actually. I don't mind. Uh, other stories today. Panic spreading across Japan. 140,000 residents ordered to take cover from the dangerous levels of radiation. And uh, this is in uh, Fukushima yesterday, where they were... They were testing everybody. So far, it's, it's actually not too bad. It's got some slightly raised levels. They've now gone back into the, uh, into the reactor. The, uh, the Japan Prime Minister, Naoto Khan, went on television to say to the, uh, the residents there, listen, you need to move. Uh, this is within an 18... I think it was an 18-mile zone they were imposing. And uh, what they've done... Because one of the biggest threats uh, is posed by the radioactive iodine, which causes thyroid cancer, particularly in children. So they're very keen to check all the children. Uh, he says that the, the level's high, still a very high risk of more radiation coming out. But they keep it, at the moment, it's, it's under control. Yesterday's fire, you remember, in, I think, Reactor Unit 4, uh, in storage housing, used the fuel rods. It's said to have burnt two 25-foot holes through the walls encasing the rods, because they've got to keep it wet. They've really got to keep it very damp. The storage room was said to be boiling which has released the radioactive steam into the atmosphere, and now raised the fears that the water, supposed to keep the fuel rods cool, would evaporate. So they're now considering 
using helicopters, bringing water in and literally pouring from above. Although, frankly, wouldn't get me within 100 miles of one of these things. I mean, I've, I've got no idea how they work. Well, I know they work. I just I think that they're, they're far too dangerous at the moment. Because the, the, remember the explosion at Unit 2 was after we'd had the explosion at Unit 1 and 3. And the, the damage there uh, after the explosions, the, the outside casing, but it hasn't breached Unit 2 at the moment, I don't think. So we'll watch that one carefully because it's a situation that they have to get on top of. And, and they will. The worst thing that they've got, apart from being hungry and homeless, they've now said in certain parts of the country, snow could hit them. So they've got this added problem of, A, having nothing, and you've seen the pictures as I have, and um, strangely enough, they're so immune to it, they've got some workers walking past a house with a car on the roof. They don't even bother looking at it now because they're just seeing that all over the place. All they've actually got to do is try and find as many bodies as they can, and they're now saying up to 12,000 people could have died. It must have happened so fast. It literally must have happened so fast. So we'll keep you uh, up to speed on uh, that one. Anne Widdicombe with her new hairstyle. Makes her look a bit scary, I have to tell you. She is a bit Cruella de Vil in this one. Talks about um, Durham Council. Uh, who have threatened to impose fines of £110 on any poor citizen who do not take the wheelie bin in within 12 hours of the rubbish being collected. Oh, I agree totally. I've no idea. Why would you want to leave your wheelie bin outside? You know, your wheelie bin's outside, the council have emptied it, and you leave it there for 12 hours. How daft is that? No, you bring it back inside again, because, to be honest with you, within 12 hours, you must have found more rubbish. I can produce two bags of rubbish a day. How? I have no idea. Do you know... Not you. Oh, right, right. I just produce loads of rubbish. Perhaps I'm just... It's because I'm... Oh, because I buy prepackaged meals, apparently, so that's got wrapping paper on. Because yesterday I was on a special offer. Yeah, wrapping... Yeah, so I, I sometimes wrap my meals in presents with ribbons and then open them and go, Oh, look, surprise! Chicken and leek pie! How exciting! <laughs> oh, look, I've unra- Oh, it's a bottle of milk! You know, not that we ever see bottles of milk anymore. Uh, now, Boris Johnson is urging the government to rethink its opposition to the expansion of Heathrow Airport... Whose side are you on? Now, I live out that side of London. Do you think we should expand the airport? I personally don't have any problem, because people then say, oh, no, you can't have that. And you think, listen, you bought a house within sight of Heathrow Airport, now got Terminal 5. You don't... I mean, I don't think we notice the aeroplanes after a while. I don't. Occasionally, I might look up and go, oh, it's pretty, and wave, you know, as you do, sadly, hoping that somebody's looking out the window going, he's waving again, he's waving. Hi, welcome to Britain. Hello. You know, I do that kind of stuff. So I wonder, really, whether or not... Unless you live in, in West London, it's not really going to affect you. But he's urging the government to rethink the opposition. Whose side are you on? Should we expand the airport? Could you cope with it? 84850 or LBC 973. 84850 or LBC 973, which is the which is the tweet. Do let me know, actually. Do let me know. Uh, going to the celebrity clinic today, Shirin Diwani. This is the man whose wife was shot in the hijacking... It's all gone a bit peculiar, this quick. I mean, I really don't understand. They're waiting to extradite him over to South Africa, where he's wanted to stand trial for allegedly plotting her murder. And uh, now they're putting him on suicide watch and he's gone to the Priory, which seems to be the place where everybody goes to now. They must have some deal with the media, I think. Uh, where are you going? We're going to the Priory. Good Lord. Uh, all sorts of uh, people are there. Uh, TV favourite Barbara Windsor. According to the Express today, is one of our best-loved actresses, but there was one person who was not a fan at first, her mother. Apparently, she says, I spent my entire career playing Cockney. My mother was so embarrassed in the beginning, she used to say I only did the roles as a favour. <laughs> as a favour. 
Bless her. Bless her. And uh, there's a girl here. Three young girls were in tears after the police told them off for picking daffodils in the park. And their parents were told they could be arrested. Now, I absolutely agree. But it's very difficult to tell little children running about in a park that, um, you know, you can't pick these flowers. But as far as I'm concerned... And this, this girl is... She's six. And India, ten. Sienna is four. And they were told off by a policeman. But they should learn some respect. Their mother looks as though she really hasn't got any respect for anybody at all, I'm afraid, judging by the picture here. And um, they picked up to 80 flowers. Well, to be honest with you, their mother should be taken aside and given a stern talking to. You have to teach children. You train them like animals, like pets, like dogs, like cats, whatever it is. And you say to them, you, you can look at them, but they're for everybody's enjoyment. You don't pick them. You know, you really don't. I sometimes think to myself, I'm surprised nobody's thought about picking all the wildflowers by the verges and selling them in farmers' markets. But you don't do that. So what you do is you just look at them and you enjoy them. And so, uh, Ms Errington, uh, this is in Poole in Dorset, uh, claimed that officers watched the family for 20 minutes. She said, uh, we've been really nice and let you off, but if you don't leave it, we'll have to arrest you for theft. The little ones were really upset and started crying. It's a stupid, honestly. What a stupid woman she is. They did have daffodils. I'd say she's had about 20 between them. And they'd been picking them up. If we'd, if we'd seen it, we would have stopped them. In other words, she wasn't even looking at what her children were doing. Even more disgraceful. Ms Errington says Sienna was too scared to return to the park. Good. At least we'll have some daffodils to look at then in future. Sienna, incidentally, is four. But then she said we weren't watching them. Well, what were you doing, love? You're just sort of staring into the distance. You're supposed to watch your children when you go out, especially a four-year-old. God, blimey, what's that? You do give up, don't you? And then, of course, they go bleating to the papers. Oh, there's a lovely little house here. You like it just for you. This house is, it's on the market, right price and everything. It's in, where is it? Framlingham in Suffolk. It's a bit far away, I know, but I'm willing to buy it for you if you want to move. And it's £95,000. And it's quite unique because it's only seven feet wide. A veritable palace to her. Look, that's it. Seven feet wide. Look at that. Look, two oh, windows and a roof and a chimney. OK, 95 grand. Do you want to move? 95 grand, though, just for yeah, that. Yeah, I know. It does seem a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. You're right, actually. Seems, you're not having it. Oh, I'll, I'll buy you a tent. I talk myself out. I'll, I'll buy you a tent and you can go and camp in the park for the royal wedding. <laughs> I'll get you a little, little burner outside as well. You can do it. That's all right. Yeah. You're right, actually. I'm not going to spend 95 grand on you. <laughs> if, I win, if I win the uh, the lottery at the weekend, if I win the, uh, what is it, 90 million pounds, 90 million pounds... Courtney and I were having discussions yesterday. Courtney is the first man you see when you walk into the building. Having discussions on how we would spend 90 million. Oh, you've got no idea what we do. You could have... I mean, you could do everything. You'd have more friends than you ever imagined. Because they'd be crawling out the wood. Oh, hi. Hi, Courtney. Hi, Steve. Imagine, can't you? You bought a ticket for, uh, for Friday? Especially having seen that bloke in the paper who's got 17 and a half. I'd be happy with 17 and a half million. I'm not fussed about 90. Happy with anything, actually. <laughs> a million would be nice. 500,000 would be quite good. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I'm not, I'm not taken over by things like that. So Boris Johnson is urging the government to rethink its opposition to the expansion of Heathrow Airport. Whose side are you on? Do you think we should expand the airport? 84850 or LBC 973. OK? LBC 973, which is the, uh, the tweet. Soren is off. He says we're going to have uh, Alfie cremated this morning. We get to spend 20 minutes with him. Good for you. Good for you. Listen, you've always got, you know, the one marvellous thing that we've got now, which people never had years ago, photos. 
photos and DVDs and stuff like my my brother n- not the same kind of thing I know but as his his as his girls were growing up almost on a daily basis he was taking video and photos of them she so got a complete record because nobody takes pictures nowadays nobody ever takes pictures do they they just you sort of go through life and then. Although, to be honest with you, in this business, we're all having pictures taken. And you always have to go... And I always say exactly the same to every photographer. Can you make me look thin? And secondly, do you want to superimpose some hair on? And when they've stopped laughing, they kind of go, no, you just look like that fat little thing that you looked like last time round. So uh, that's what I have to go for. I've had some very odd pictures. <laughs> very. Uh, Read the cat in the pill. I've never laughed so much in my life, says Gary. I'm going to start podcasting your show. Well, that's good news, you see. I like that idea. You podcast the show and you'll be a much happier person. LBC 97.3 Mandy in Swiss Cottage uh, lay in bed laughing after hearing about the cat being given the pill because she has to give her cat a pill every day because he's epileptic. And so she says, some days it goes down well and other days it's exactly as you described this morning. And if you want to know what it is, you have to go and you have to podcast the programme, which means you have to go to the LBC website. It's from as little as £2 a month. You can podcast this you can podcast everything you know every single person this week incidentally on in conversation it's going to be tracy and obman who we're going to get into do the papers as well and gary newman okay gary newman and tracy ann she's going to start doing the papers in april for us on uh, on the sunday because we love tracy ann Love Gary Newman as well. He was lovely yesterday, he really was. And then the wife was in as well. So we bumped into the wife uh, as well. He's still touring. He's going off to Australia very shortly. He's got a show coming up uh, very, very quickly. Uh, very, sorry, I was just re- reading something out aloud to myself there. I'm talking about very, very quickly. Please, you on the radio. <laughs> I know, I'm hopeless. I'm a sun morning. I've got no idea where I am. If I wasn't medicated, you know, wouldn't be making it at all. Um, one here that says, Wish our daughter Louisa Fremantle a very happy 20th birthday tomorrow. She shares her day with you and apparently is half your age. She is! How uncanny is that? Best wishes and love from Marie, Dave, Sarah and Amy and Old Bexley. Ye Old Bexley in Kent. Another way you should get, apparently is half your age. Ha ha. Like I would even make up the fact that I'm now going to be 40. You know, some cruel people have written in saying, are you sure you're not going to be 57? I've got, uh, listen, I'm reporting you to the police straight away. Um... Does anybody ever think the kids were threatened with arrest as the officer was play-acting to make them realise the consequences? Parents used to ask uh, policemen to do this. Yes, in fact, I've heard a lot of comics telling stories. There was one particular comedian, I can't remember who it was, he said, but if I'd done something wrong at home, he said, my father used to pick up the phone, he said, Police Constable Watson wants to talk to you. He said, yes! And the, the man at the end of the phone would go, this is Police Constable Watson, you've been very, very naughty. Well, I haven't been naughty. And he'd go, you've been very, next time I'm going to come round and arrest you. I won't do it again. He said, and it was only years later, he said, when I realised that Police Constable Watson sounded remarkably like me Uncle Alan. <laughs> he said, but it took a long time. So, I mean, but then, you know what mothers are like now? Especially, you know, sort of mothers who don't even know what their kids are doing. They're out picking flowers and running around in a park and they've got no idea. They just go, right, I'm going to the papers now. Next thing, she'll be in Closer magazine, selling a story of the day my daughter picked some daffodils and we were threatened with arrest. Don't be so stupid, honestly. They don't arrest children at four years old, but that's what policemen used to do. I won't do it ever again. I'm really sorry. It's for everybody. It's not just them. You can't pick public flowers because they're flowers. It's like um, Gary Newman has t- uh, tells us the story. This, you'll hear it this weekend. I'll just sort of preempt it a little bit. Where he woke up one morning, looked out the window, and there's somebody camped in his garden. And the only reason he knew that they were camped in his garden is because he could smell bacon. They were cooking bacon. 
And he, he went down there and he said quite politely, he said, you know, you really can't, this is my garden. And then one time he went round there when they discovered where he lived and they cut all the heads off his flowers as souvenirs. So, you know, you don't go to parks, you teach your children. You don't go running to the papers like some dipstick. Oh, it does annoy me. So cross. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. And this is from uh, Paul, who says that we actually live directly opposite a park. And last year, the local nursery, the kids being about four and five, came with their teachers to plant bulbs. One Saturday morning after the dafts came up, I was horrified to see two, for want of a better word, brats, about ten or eleven, ripping out the dafts by their roots. I confronted them, was treated to a tirade of swear words. They told me they were picking them for their sick grandma. After going back indoors, ten minutes later, the doorbell rang. As I opened the door, a bloke, presumably their father, tried to step into the house and aimed a punch at me. I managed to slam the door shut, called the police, he was arrested. You see, it's, it's revolting parents, I'm afraid. Listen, revolting children, revolting parents. You never get revolting children, really nice parents. It's because they've learnt the tricks from the... In fact, when we read that, strange enough, this book from this kid who grew up on a, on a traveller site, and he said from an early age we were taught how to shoplift. He said we went out with me Auntie Millie. She shoplifted and we shoplifted. And I saw somebody the other day, I'm in Marks and Spencer's, in Kingston, and I'm buying a jacket. And as I looked once, because there's hardly anybody in there, and uh, the one lady on the till, and she always starts a conversation like, you've got very good taste in jackets. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you're kind of prepared for a conversation. And sometimes I will sort of go, yeah, yeah. And then other times, oh, I can't really be bothered. And I noticed this woman at the corner of my eye, who was dressed in garb, not familiar to me, and she had a jacket on a hanger, and she looked across, and then she just walked straight out the front door with it. And the alarm went off... And so I said to the woman who served me, I said, that woman's just walked out with your jacket. And she went, oh, did, oh, right. She said, did nobody stop her? I said, there's nobody there. Where are the security? You know, obviously shoplifting is a huge problem. And this woman just walks out the store because all it does is go beep, 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 beep. And nobody takes a blind bit of notice. It's like when you hear a car alarm going off. You never think, oh, that's a car being broken into. You think, that's a very annoying sound. First thing in the morning, should we call the police and get it turned off? 84850. Uh, another one here, interestingly, says Richard, Norman Tebbit made the point, why is it OK for posh people to wander around art galleries looking at naked ladies and not OK for ordinary people to see pretty topless girls in newspapers? Because the problem is, Richard, they're not generally pretty girls who want to take their tops off in newspapers. And I think art is different, isn't it, if, if you go to a gallery? I think that's completely different, because that, you, you choose to go to the gallery. Unfortunately, you know, the, the papers you can see everywhere, it just looks a bit dated, I think. I mean, I, I really think that page three girls belong to another era. It's, it's not really that exciting. Well, I don't know. Mind you, we've had some parents go, I'm really proud my, my daughter's a page three girl. You think, oh, lucky old you. You'll be showing all your friends at work. Look, this is my daughter. Look, she's topless. Hello. Looks lovely, doesn't it? Uh, we couldn't get Iris's cat Binky out of the basket when we took her to a, a vet checkup. She just hang on in there. Success in the end, says Brian. I know, we used to have a, a cat box, which we used to take our cat to the vet in. Sorry. And it was a cardboard box. And the first time we took the cat, you know the cats come out and all their paws are out at one side and they kind of wedge themselves in the box. She wasn't coming out for love nor money. And when she thought that she was going back in it again, oh my God, you have got to hang on to her. Don't, don't. Because their claws were really sharp. You go, ow, ow, blood streaming down your hands. God, it was terrible. I remember it. And uh, Steve, I had to pull over whilst driving to work. Tears streaming, laughing so much at your cat story. Isn't it the best ever? You must podcast the programme today. Very funny every day. And uh, if you podcast it, I mean, you can still get up early in the morning. I quite like it if you get up early and podcast or tell your friends. But that was one of our, uh, our better ones. Dee says, I empathise with the anti-airport brigade, but say yes to expanding. 
I live on uh, a very, very busy main road. Heavy traffic 24-7. Nobody gives a forex. Live with it. Move. I agree. You know, if, 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 if I was complaining about the airport and saying, oh, it's dreadful, then I'll buy somewhere else. You, you, know, you can't live next... I mean, the, the, in Isleworth, there's a sewage farm called Mogden, and in the summer, it stinks to high heaven. I mean, it really is disgusting. In fact, on a really bad day, you can get it in Twickenham. And people say, oh, poo, what's that? And I go, it's Mogden. It's the sewage treatment plant. And they go, oh, dear. And you go, yeah, but people live next door to it. They must have realised there's a blooming great big sign going sewage treatment plant, Mogden. They've got a supermarket next to it as well. So, you know, if you choose to live there, that's fine. It's like I keep looking at properties by the side of the river and I keep thinking, that'd be nice, that'd be nice to live there. And I keep thinking, no, flooding, flooding. I keep thinking about flooding, especially after all the things that have, that have gone on recently. It is, it is absolutely terrible, terrible, terrible. Um, why do we say... Oh, yes, I tell you who's died, Bob Greaves before your time, actually. But uh, he fronted more than 12,000 live shows. He was a former newspaper man. Uh, he was famous for a clip from Chester Zoo in which an elephant fondled him with his tr- trunk. <laughs> it's, it's worse than it is. No, it's not, actually. And uh, Michael Parkinson said, who's 75, incidentally. Michael Parkinson is 75. He said Bob had a great sort of charm. And uh, he was, actually. He was 76. Can't believe it, Michael Parkinson's 75. God, God, I've been quite shocked. I was, I was speechless when you look at these people. Because they don't tend to age, do they? People tend not to age on the... Te- well, I didn't think they aged on the television. Until you meet them and then you, th- and you sort of look down at how old they are and you think, God, blimey. Uh, m- more on Matthew Breach, who hasn't dated for three years. This is the one who won 18 million. He will be very, very shortly. He'll be dating lots of people. They'll be professing undying love. They'll be saying, I really love you, because you've got 18 million. And uh, I can help you spend it. And here's all my family as well. And they'll help you spend it too, which I find a little bit uh, worrying. Um, So Colleen uh, Nolan is is quitting Loose Women by mutual decision, because they've decided they want to revamp the programme. And uh, so they're going to bring in Janet Street Porter. And so she'll be there spouting off about any old drivel and name-dropping like there's no tomorrow. And uh, we're also asking this morning, as Boris Johnson is urging the government to rethink its opposition to the expansion of Heathrow Airport, whose side are you on? Do you think we should expand the airport? 84850, steve at or lbc973. And also, just one for you ladies in the paper today. Can you make a dream boat from a couch potato? How do you transform your husband who sits there staring into the distance? I mean, thank God for remotes. Because, believe you me, before remotes, we were actually fitter because you had to get up to change the channel. Now you sit there and the advert's going to go click, click, click. And if you've got, you know, one of these satellite dishes and stuff like that, I mean, you, you can spend ages flicking through the channel. You've just got limitless stuff to watch. Absolutely limitless. I mean, I find it bad enough. I've got five channels and a load of Freeview stuff, which seems to come alive in the early hours of the morning. During the daytime, it doesn't appear to be there. Three o'clock in the morning, or half past two in the morning, you turn on, you've got all sorts of strange things. And I flip through and I go, oh, that's interesting. You go onto the same channel in the daytime, it's vanished completely. I've got no idea where they go to. But uh, if, if you've got Sky Sport or Sky News or anything like that, I mean, you just sit there, you actually end up just staring at the television. My mother used to say, click, it goes off. There's nothing decent on to watch. This uh, little girl with the flowers, you've got the mother here, wearing her, uh, her classy jean jacket, is um, kneeling down by the, by the daffodils. And she's got one of those, those 
I'll just call it a hard face. You know, you know, and I mean, you know, she has. The mother's got a hard face because apparently two constables confronted the family and Olivia sobbed. Good. You're learning well then, aren't you? Don't touch something that's not yours. Your mummy should have told you that. So you're learning well. You know, because otherwise you're going to turn into not a very nice person who's just going to go and ruin other people's property. You have to be taught. And uh, a spokesman for the Dorset police said, two constables explained that as the flowers were laid for the enjoyment of all, people were not allowed to pick them. It's nice, isn't it? And you get the accent as well thrown in. So there you go, racist stereotyping as well down in Dorset. I don't know anybody who actually comes from Dorset, but I'm assuming they all talk like that down there. Well, perhaps that's somewhere else. I don't know. Could be Brixton in Devon, couldn't it? I've got no idea. Quarter to seven. News headlines, Sam Pittis. France is urging its citizens to leave Japan or head south now. Morning, everybody. Morning, Chris, down in uh, Little Chalfont in Buckinghamshire. Of course, Buckinghamshire features because of Great Missenden, which is where the writer and producer of Midsummer Murders lives. So now every paper has sent reporters down there to find out if they can find anybody of ethnicity in some of these little rural villages. And they, they have admitted that you don't find that many people. Although, strangely enough, the pub that they use in Midsummer Murders is actually run by an Asian guy. He actually runs the pub down there. And he said, no, it's not like this at all. Why is everybody making a big fuss about it now? It's been running for God knows how many years. I mean, surely by now, with 952 actors passing through, somebody would have said, you know, I've not seen anybody of ethnic origin in this programme. But then there are loads of other programmes like that as well. There's a, a picture here of, uh, of a house uh, near Sendai, Floating in the Pacific Ocean, all by itself, complete with the roof and everything, just floating there, all by, nothing else around it at all. You probably find it, it's a bit like, what was that uh, film that came out a short while ago, about an old man who lived in a house and it came away all on balloons, that one there. It looks a bit like that. You can imagine somebody washing up in the kitchen, looking out the window and going, it's a bit wet out there, isn't it? Wait a minute, I don't know. Must we flushed the toilet the wrong way or something. So here is this complete family home with what looks like washing attached to it. I mean, it's unbelievable, this picture. Some of the pictures that are coming out. And, and also the survivors, four days on. People being, you know, plucked out of, you know, rubble and things like that. We had a baby yesterday. There are great stories. And there's a, a great story of, uh, of a guy here. When the uh, tsunami alarm sounded, people ran for the hills. But this young English teacher, uh, his only thought was how he could save his class of 42 pupils who were terrified. And so he did. And they've done a story on him. Here's the, uh, the boss, uh, the creator of Midsummer Murders, Brian Trumay, uh, leaving his home, driven by an Asian chauffeur, they say. Oh, dear. I mean, honestly, it just gets very, very silly. Uh, they've also got stories here. This is the uh, reporter, Robert Hardman, who says, I've been down here. He said, I've, I've been to the Lee, Badger's Drift in the series. And uh, he says, to be honest with you, uh, nobody can fathom out why he should have decided to slaughter his own professional reputation in cold blood by doing this interview, because it's been running for so many years. And he says, so I've come to Great Missenden. Uh, he says, not only is much of the series filmed in the lanes, barns, oak-beamed pubs and creeper-clad cottages, but it's also where Mr Trumay happens to live. He's probably regretting he gave this interview, because they've now had, I think, 942 actors, 22,000 extras over 14 years, and so far nobody's noticed a blasted thing. All of a sudden, he gives an interview and they go, good heavens above, there's nobody of ethnicity in this programme. 14 years it's been running. 14 years. You thought somebody would have noticed by now. Wait a minute, why is there no Chinese takeaway? And the answer is because in some of these villages, there aren't Chinese takeaways. This, it's not real. It's just pretend. <laughs>
It's pretend. Um, more on the the woman and the uh, and the girl picking flowers. And they have been told... You thought, actually, the mother would have realised, you know, don't pick flowers in parks. You don't pick them, the kids don't pick them either. They're for everybody to enjoy. The officers didn't swoop on the little girls. They just said to them, listen, we're, we're policemen. Perhaps when you grow up, you'll respect us. Bet your bottom dollar the mother will be in Closer magazine by the weekend or a photo shoot in OK at the very least, saying it's absolutely disgraceful the way our policemen treat our four-year-old children nowadays. No, it's disgraceful the way you weren't watching what the kids were doing, love. That's what was disgraceful about it. Uh, f- do you know, is anybody else complaining about the price of fuel? I've given up. I've given up on the price of petrol. One... What did I pay the other day? One thirty-six. I paid one thirty. I tell you, it's so expensive. It is so expensive. And it doesn't matter. John Warrington was telling me yesterday he put 20 quid's worth in his car. I said, I wish I could put 20 quid's worth in the car. I put in yesterday £62 worth. Six, I mean, frankly, it's going to be cheaper to go and live in the car at the moment and eat the leather. Because you can't afford to do anything else. It's terrible. And also, women respond more intensely to pain than men. If you've noticed that... Apparently, the fairest sex process pain in the brain differently to male counterparts. So, in other words, uh, doctors were investigating gender differences and how the sexes respond to the pain of chronic conditions like irritable bowel syndrome and stuff like that. We're always discussing this upstairs after the programme. She's discussing to me the pain, and I'm going, I really don't want to know. Thank you very much indeed, but thank you for sharing. No, no, you haven't got it. But I'm just sort of saying, it's, I mean, you know, women do feel pain more. I know that when I sort of, you know, I kick her under the table, she feels it. She really feels it. When she tries to kick me under the table, I don't, because she's got little short stumpy legs and they don't reach my side of the table. <laughs> she's, now, she's now taking issue with the fact my legs are not stumpy. OK, I think I'll be the judge of that. All right. Uh, and also, meet the dog from France who ignores English orders. Uh, this is Henri, the black Labrador, and he stands at you. The trouble is, he only... He, he lives in Yorkshire, but he was born and raised in France. Of course, he speaks French. Well, he understands French. So when you say to him, sit, he just stares at you. Because it was, you know, and that's how it works. It's like, you know, you go to any other place, and people say, oh, look at this lovely little dog here. And you think, no, this dog doesn't speak a word of English. It's going to think, you, you know, you're talking double Dutch, I'm afraid. Uh, complaints against estate agents have now reached a record... Hu- There's a surprise. Does anybody like estate agents? Does anybody actually... So I don't think anybody's ever had a good word for estate agents. They go, you earn how much for doing what? Oh, right, so you come round, take a picture of my house, and then you take a lot of money in commission for doing what? Well, in some cases, it's a lot of uh, phone bashing, saying, listen, we've got this great property on the market, owned by a celebrity, Steve Allen, yeah. and uh, it has got a uh, marble bathroom, gold taps, and, uh, and a mirror in the bedroom. And, uh, yes, and a seat in the shower. seat in the shower is going to be the selling point, I'm telling you. Imagine, people would be queuing around the block, I think, to actually get into the place. Uh, oh, and there's a, a lovely here. This is um, Prince Charles's official harpist. She's going to be playing. Her name is Claire Jones. She's going to play for William and Kate. I used to love listening to people playing harps. There used to be a lady called, was it Mary O'Hara, years ago. A lovely Irish uh, lady who used to play the harp, and uh, she disappeared. I don't, where, I don't know where she went to work. What's the matter with you? What's the matter? What? <laughs> I used to call her Mary. <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't call her what I called her. But anyway, and uh, so she's disappeared now. But, uh, but this girl's going to be playing at Buckingham Palace. 
And she's got a, a place, so well done. Do you get paid, though, if you're booked for the royal wedding? Do you think they actually pay money? I mean, just lugging the harp around. Look, beautiful piece of equipment. She's wearing a lovely gold dress. She's only 26, and she became Charles's official harpist in 2007. And uh, because it, it's an old post that they reinstated. It, 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 I think it goes from about 1911 or 1912 or whatever it is. And they decided to bring it back again. So he's decided to lend her to William and Kate in the palace, because it's going to be quite a classy event. Especially, as I told you earlier on, uh, the central band of the RAF are going to be playing, and they've got the uh, the trumpeters. It's just going to be absolutely fantastic. You really, really uh, must download this programme for today. If you've never podcast, please podcast the programme. And uh, if you go to lbc.co.uk, then you can find all the details out on the website. From as little as £2 a month, you can download everything on LBC. So when you go away on holiday or a long flight... You never miss a programme. You can play parts of it over and over and over again, and you don't lose it. You know, it's yours to download and keep forever and a day. I'm back with you tomorrow morning from five. Wish you a pleasant day. Tomorrow's St Patrick's Day. We will be celebrating on the programme, as per usual. And uh, I'll leave you in the capable company of Nick after the news at seven. First of all, the business update with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open after closing down 79.